0: As I speak, it's late Monday morning, February 28th, and there's no new CBA. Opening day may be delayed. A lot of people are upset, especially with the commissioner. Welcome to In the Bullpen with Mark Dewey, sponsored by Developing Contenders Ministries. You're listening to the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Thank you for joining us. And look who's coming up. High fly ball into right field. She is gone! They've been negotiating every day for the past week. They did so throughout the day on Sunday, and they are meeting right now. And today is the day that Major League Baseball said was the deadline... For the regular season to begin on time, fans are already upset, and if games are missed, many will consider turning away from Major League Baseball. Joining me today is a man who will not let a lockout, no matter how long it lasts, lessen his enthusiasm for Major League Baseball. A man, Joshua Jenkins, that I believe would make a great commissioner of Major League Baseball. Thanks for joining me in the bullpen, Joshua. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk a lot of baseball because I know you're a huge baseball fan. But I want to talk about something before that, and that is a conference that is coming up on April the second. What's that about? What what's going to happen at that conference?
1: Yeah, so my church in Springfield, Missouri, is putting on a conference called the Christendom Conference, and basically our idea. This is the second conference we've done. We did it last year. We called it God and Government last year, but we're changing it to the Christendom Conference, our idea and thought and reasoning behind it is we see uh, a lot of Christians today who are looking for a lot of answers because of issues we're facing in society. And so many of, unfortunately, pastors and churches and evangelical leaders have not uh, addressed many of the issues our society is facing, yet the Bible has all the answers um, from God's Word. So we're going to be talking about things like statism. The main, the main theme is overcoming the false religion of statism. And so what we've seen, the problems we're facing today in our society, by and large, are from um, this false religion of statism. So we've seen it creep in, of course, the last couple of years with medical tyranny of different kinds. Um, uh, inflation is a big problem we're facing, and that is, by and large, due to issues of statism and um, what's the – I'm blank on the third thing here. Uh, food tyranny is another one we're talking about. And people may not realize how just involved the state is in mm. matters mm. of our food, uh, but we have a local farmer who is going to be talking about these issues from his firsthand experiences. So um, it's going to be really good. And the, the talk on the uh, inflation and how we can overcome it, is by a local business owner who's been successful in, in business endeavors and is a reformed Christian at our church, and so uh, I'm looking forward to. We're going to address all these sorts of issues that people are are dealing with today. How how are we going to? You know, people are afraid of food supply, supply chain lines, inflating dollar. We're going to be talking about those things, and not only talking about why they're a problem, but trying to give solutions. How can Christians? survive it, and replace it. We believe, you know, we're post-millennialists, so we believe we're still going to be here. It's not the end of the world. So how can Christians be here and best be in a position to love our neighbors through what could be tough times we're headed for?
0: Yeah, that sounds outstanding. And, you know, one of the things that you had hoped to do, because you were kind enough or crazy enough, I'm not sure which, to ask me to speak, unfortunately uh, I can't be there, but I love the title you gave me. It was Overcoming Leviathan, One Pitch at a Time, Sports and Statism. And I love that title. I was really really excited about it. But this is going to be a a great conference. So if I read it right, you have three pastors, a farmer, and a business owner that are going to speak. It's on April 2nd. Where would somebody go if they wanted to know more about what this conference is going to be about, or even better yet, to sign up to come?
1: You'll need to go to our church website, which is hopebaptistspringfield.com slash conference. We'll take you direct, directly to the conference page. It's totally free. We're providing lunch. In fact, the uh, the gentleman who is our farmer who's going to be speaking there uh, is also going to be preparing the food, and so it's going to be good food. Uh, he is. I've eaten his food prepared before. It's delicious. and It's free. So, but we need to know you're going to be there. So go to that website, hopebaptistspringfieldcom slash conference, and just let us know that you'll be there so we can prepare.
0: Great. I hope a lot of people show up. So now, you are a huge baseball fan. I want to go back and then bring us up to the present day. When do you remember saying, this is a great game and, and really becoming a fan of the game of baseball?
1: You know, there's not really a point in which I remember that because I, w- I just always was. <laughs> there's pictures of me as a newborn baby in a Cardinal onesie, you know. So my dad was a huge Cardinal fan um, since I was born. You know, he grew up watching, you know, Lee Smith. I remember him specifically talking about the Cardinals and the, that era. And so I just grew up in it. And um, from day one, you know, playing tee ball as early as I could. Now, I will say I might uh, shock you with how how young I am. So I don't think you know my age, but I do not. I grew up. <laughs> I grew up in a great era to be a Cardinal fan. Basically, Albert Pujols' entire career was that was my first grade through eleventh grade years. <laughs> so the best years of childhood of watching baseball was some of the best ten years that any player has ever put together in the history of the game, in my opinion. And um, <laughs> so, I, you know, there were some great teams, several World Series teams, um, several that went and, or at least one that went and lost in 04, a couple winners. Um, I remember growing up, every time we were in the car, driving around with my dad, he always had the radio, Cardinals radio on, listening to Mike Shannon. So it's just it was just part of our life it's just how i was raised
0: now i want to i want to piggyback off of that you know i grew up i'm of course a lot older than you um, but i grew up at the time in which really you were going to listen to baseball on the radio 85 90% of the time and i think there's something lost in not listening to the game on the radio what what is your view on that do, how do you like to best take in a baseball
1: game to this day i kid you not I listen to probably 90% of the games on the radio. I don't, you know, part of it is by choice. Our family doesn't have cable or satellite TV packages to watch the games. But, uh, so I listen on the radio and our local stations. And there's something, there is something magical about it because there's a way in which the game is described by a good broadcaster on the radio. Where just through hearing, you can see the game. You can So then I'll go online and I'll watch highlights of what I listen to. And, you know, I can, I can see it play out. I can see just what he was describing. You know, there's a lot of factors that go into it in terms of our society and the need for multiple sensory experiences, you know. But to have the discipline and ability to be able to just listen. Of course, I do a lot of multitasking. I'll be playing with the kids or whatever doing stuff around the house while I'm listening. Uh, but there's something to be said for being able to take in a game audibly and uh, be able to see it with your eyes, even though you're not actually seeing it, if that makes any sense.
0: It does. I grew up in Michigan. I grew up listening to Ernie Harwell, so I know what that's all about because he was great at broadcasting on the radio uh, baseball. Now, you live in Springfield, Missouri, which is the AA home of the Cardinals, Correct. That's correct. How many games do you get out to see in person as it regards minor league baseball?
1: You know I probably I don't see as many as I would like to, um, but probably five to seven per summer. I like to get out a few more, but that's that's just about what I have time to do. Um, but it's a real fun experience. They do they're very, very professional. I haven't like traveled all of the minor league systems in the country, but just from what I hear, it's one of the best well-run minor league organizations and cities at uh, Hammondsfield and Springfield. It's really fun. I, I think all my memories growing up, you know, we went to, when I was growing up, My I had a brother and sister, and my, our parents took us to one game in St. Louis every year, every summer, and lots of great experiences. But honestly, my favorite baseball memories are just recent ones I've made, taking my three and four year old uh, to Springfield games and just get to experience that with them. So it's a blast. It's a good, good environment to be in a minor league town.
0: Yeah, that's great. Minor league baseball. I mentioned, I think in my last episode, you know, that's very important to me because most of my time in professional baseball has been spent in minor league baseball. And I think it's one of the great things that we still have as it regards professional baseball in our country. I want to return back to the big league Cardinals and a man you mentioned, Albert Pujols, and I want to ask you your thoughts about Pujols returning. And I'm going to couple this with what your thoughts are about the universal DH. Because whatever else is being argued, it appears both sides agree with that. So it's a twofold question. Generally speaking, what's your view of the DH? And does your view change knowing that that could enhance the likelihood of Pujols returning to St. Louis?
1: Generally speaking, I'm an old-school baseball guy, and I love the National League because it's the National League, and uh, there's the strategy of pitchers hitting, and the, the more it involves more of thinking with the game of baseball, more intrigue and questions and lineup movement throughout a game that you don't see as much in the American League. So, as you said, they're both pretty much agreed. We're having the DH universally. Um, I'll still love baseball. You know, it won't be the same. Um, I will say, you mentioned our pools potentially returning to St. Louis. Um, I would love to see it as a fan. It'd be such a poetic way to end his career with Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina probably their last seasons all right out together. That would just be magical, and I would would trade having a DH. Yes, I would, for that to happen. Um, However, I just, as much as I want that to happen as a fan, I don't think it's going to happen in terms of the team and our needs and positions we have to fill. I just don't see a spot for him. However, the Cardinals have been known they can make more sentimental moves. Um, for those types of things, so because they care about legacy. Typically, we have cared about legacy and tradition and honor in the Cardinals organization, and so I could see them making that move, but I could see them not, so we'll see.
0: Yeah, well, I agree with you on the DH. I'm a National League guy, too. Even though I grew up watching the Tigers and American League Baseball more, my whole career both as a player and a coach was National League, and I'm a National League kind of guy as well. But it will be interesting because it really would be great for holes to come back, as you mentioned, with Rain, Wainwright and Yachty finishing up. That would be just a tremendous story, uh, not only for Cardinal fans, really, but for, for fans of the game of baseball. Speaking of which, what is your view? We're going to get to the particulars about the lockout in a minute, but but taking the lockout and putting that aside for a moment, what's your take? What's your What are your thoughts about the state of – major league baseball today even in comparison let's say to when you grew up in those those glory years of the cardinals and Pujols and the like what do you think as a baseball fan about where the game is right now
1: so i would start first with just saying how much i still love the game i think there's a lot of great players and talent a lot of great athletes So as far as talent-wise goes and the performances we see, it's it's as good as ever. There's a lot of great baseball. I enjoy listening and watching and seeing the game. There are things about the game that concern me. You know, you've said it before on your podcast that sports are downstream of culture, and culture is an outworking of religion. And now it's finally trickling its way to the game of baseball and. You know, from, a, from the perspective of the Major League Baseball uh, as an institution, I'm definitely bothered by the amount of pandering to things in the culture that we're seeing in terms of, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter stuff, the LGBT agenda, uh, those sorts of things, you know, the COVID hysteria we experienced the last couple of years. That is not pleasant, it's not enjoyable. You know, I, I used to be a guy that listened to lots of sports podcasts and talk radio and stuff. But a couple of years ago, once the social justice narrative started really being promoted within sports talk radio, I just shut it all off. And that was about the time your podcast came out. And so I still had it. That's why your podcast was such a breath of fresh air to listen to baseball, a game I love from a Christian worldview, which I wasn't getting anywhere else. So that aspect is discouraging. And, you know, I think we're starting to see it, you know, because worldview, so our actions we take, the things we do come from our worldview. They come out of what we believe. We're going to act based on what we believe. And so if we believe in a world where there's no God of justice and we believe in a, a world with no objective morality of right and wrong, then we're going to end up acting like it, and we're starting to see that even in the way we play the game of baseball. Um, it's not, like I just said a moment ago, there's still a lot of great baseball, and I love watching it. Uh, but there are things about the game that I think are degrading, or it's not, I think, the things but again, that, that are not progress to the game, such as the emphasis on home run or bust. You know, there's a lack of hitting, and I just saw, I think you saw it too. I forget who it was, a player, maybe Joey Gallo, who was complaining about the shift and saying, how am I supposed to get a hit if I got six players in the outfield? The answer is, hit it the other way. (laughs) Hit it where they ain't. (laughs) Um, But just, it's it's a sense of entitlement. It's this mentality of ungratitude and uh, that sort of thing that is, beginning to work its way out in the gameplay And that's just one example.
0: Yeah. And I, and I believe there are a lot of those examples. And, and again, I do, I have, I firmly believe for quite some time that baseball is a microcosm of our culture. And then, you know, yeah. to borrow from Henry Van till uh, our culture is religion externalized. And so in some sense, we have to kind of bear the brunt of this as the church, we've kind of led the way by not following Christ as we should, But yeah, I remember that gal. And then Rod Crew talked, he talked something about, you know, going the other way or whatever. And I I tweeted, but what does Crew know about hitting? Oh, wait. (laughs) Right. But it is this (laughs) mindset that I'm not going to make an adjustment to what's going on around me. I expect people to make rules so that it can benefit me. I just don't get that. I, I don't get that in the game of baseball and I don't get that as a society, but that's definitely where we're at in both our society and in the
1: game that is statism working its way into sports this idea that there needs to be a law about that you have a problem the state needs to come in and do something about that and maybe that's not always the answer and yeah so there it is there's your talk that you can uh, right there
0: yeah <laughs> that exactly now i want to i want to i want to ask this question we we'll, we'll now we'll take in the lockout as well do you see baseball major league baseball is an industry doing anything that would drive you away from the game. So that would be maybe moving further in the direction that they have been going with some of the social issues you brought up, or what if this lockout causes us to miss a month of the season or three months of the season? Do you see any of that kind of either lessening your desire to watch and follow the game or even driving you away? Or do you see yourself as I'm a fan through thick and thin? Uh, I will, I will disregard or, or, dislike those things, but I'll always love the game. And, and by the game, I don't mean baseball generally, but the game as it regards Major League Baseball.
1: So if the lockout goes on and we miss some several months or even the season, you know, that stinks, but I'm, I'll be back next year as soon as it's back, you know. As far as other things that could push me away, certainly if they continue to go down the trail of promoting just openly rebellious things to God eventually it'll be too much push me away i think i think there's enough you know i think out of all professional sports there are a good number of and maybe you know more than maybe it's maybe i'm inaccurate on this but i think there are a good number of christian athletes still in professional baseball and so you can see that you can see out of all professional sports there are good remnants of a former baseball built in a christian society Um, but certainly they could go down that path. Um, I will say the first COVID year that they did baseball with nobody in the stands and they had, you know, those cardboard cutouts and stuff. I could not stand it. I did not watch those games. (laughs) And finally started bringing people back in. So I tuned in again and, um, it was just so fake and so fearful and, honestly uneducated I was like I can't stand watching it and so I mean I don't see them going back that way unless there's a a new virus you know Uh, but there's other ways culturally that certainly they could do it I will say I did watch I used to be an NBA fan as well and about the same time period they started heavily uh, two or three four years ago promoting Black Lives Matter LGBT agendas like they've got it on the courts you know, in the wood floors and their jerseys and the players were just not... And I, I haven't watched NBA in three years. And so that would be the type of thing that could do it.
0: All right, so now I'm going to combine a few things here. So ultimately, you're probably going to be a fan... Well, you will be a fan regardless of lockout situation. There's some other things that could cause you to, to move away. But now let's say, you know... This, is, this goes around in baseball a lot when you're playing or coaching. If you were a commissioner for a day, what would you do? Well, I'll give you more than a day. So if you were <laughs> commissioner of Major League Baseball and you then had free reign to, to do whatever you wanted to do in the best interest of the game, what would be some of the most immediate things that you would do if you were commissioner without authority?
1: Yeah, if I'm Commissioner... That'd be the first thing I do. In fact, I was listening to Adam Wainwright on a local Cardinals podcast just a week or two ago talking a little bit about the labor issues going on. And he said, you know, if the owners of the league would just give us the same deal we had last year, we'd take it and play. Now, I don't know if that's really representative of what the union would do, but coming from a guy like Wainwright, it's probably pretty accurate. And so I would say, all right, if we... If there's no compromise we can make today, let's play on that deal. Let's run it back another year. And throughout this year, let's, let's bargain. Let's get a deal done. So that's the first thing I would do. Um, I think another thing I would do, you know, if, if you're giving me more than a day, um, I would, one of the things that bothered me a little bit about baseball is they've tried to change the game into promoting it as something that it's not. Whereas if I, were the, if I were the commissioner, I'm all for making changes that are good. You know, you've talked about it before. There are good changes and bad changes. But I would, I would just promote the game of baseball um, as the game of baseball, promote it for the beauty and the goodness that, that is inherent about the game of baseball and not try to make it into the NBA or into soccer that a lot of kids are watching and just let the game itself attract people. And, and bring in fans um, let me see I wrote I wrote another thing down okay this is important if our commissioner as a Christian you know I don't think Robert Manfred is a Christian we'd love him to be but if I am put in that position I recognize that there can be no true change without repentance and so the first thing one of the first things I would do is just be repentant about some of these egregious decisions that have been made by baseball. I would apologize uh, publicly to all the people who we forced to get vaccinated by, you know, forced to get vaccinated by saying it's required. I would apologize and make sure they have medical coverage for any injuries from the vaccines they may have the rest of their life. And anybody who lost their job, like I think there were some coaches who did, I'd do what I could to get them a job back in the game. So I would apologize for that. I would apologize to the Atlanta Braves and give them the all-star game this year. And I would repent of, of promoting those sorts of ideologies that have been promoted. I think that's where it starts. There's a lot of grand visions I would have in instituting a Christianized Major League Baseball. But it has to start first with repentance. And so that's, that's where I'd start.
0: I wish I had more pull because I would be making phone calls when we're done with this interview trying to get you to become commissioner <laughs> of Major League Baseball
1: well i don't think they would like me very much i think baseball has canceled me already and i'd even get to your level
0: (laughs) yeah well sadly you are correct about that and i think that it is likely not to turn around in the direction that both of us would like to see likely it's going to continue down the path that it's been heading but as both of us know the lord is sovereign and he can bring about that repentance that you discussed
1: That's right. You know, another thing I was thinking about, too, as well, thinking about the game of baseball, and and we've talked about it being downstream of culture. One of the things about our culture is that men, there's a war on men. Men have been uh, emasculated in so many ways, and sports are like the last remaining vestiges of high testosterone men in our society. And yet we're even seeing it play out there uh, of a lack of, masculinity um, the big thing the last couple of years with all the COVID restrictions how it was if every all the players just conformed and there you know masculinity does not conform itself to falsehood or against conscience and so the good news is the problems with baseball ultimately are religious problems they're cultural religious problems and we have the answers to those religious problems, and it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that can always change. The gospel can go forth. God can open hearts and minds. People can repent, and that can make men strong. It can make them masculine to not fear the mobs or whatever. So I'm very hopeful for baseball, even though I have a lot of these concerns. And so then as commissioner, I would do everything I could after repenting to promote the practice of Christianity in baseball, which is it would be my power, probably more of a team decision, but uh, allow for uh, families to travel, wives, children to travel as much as as much as they wanted, um, to to promote family values, Christian values, and um, that sort of thing.
0: That's outstanding. Amen. Joshua, I appreciate you joining me. Uh, I had thought about having you as a guest for a while, and then we talked about some other things, and this worked out well. So thank you for joining me in the bullpen today.
1: Well, thank you, and I hope you keep up the good work, and it's been a blessing to me. So even if you were distracted while listening to the
0: interview, maybe you were multitasking, you could definitely hear that Joshua is a lifelong and very intelligent fan of Major League Baseball, and obviously in particular of the St. Louis Cardinals. And if you are listening carefully, and if you're astute, you may have realized that Joshua is a pastor. And that combination is why what he said resonates so well with me, and I hope with many of you. He recognizes God's goodness in blessing us with a game of baseball. And with having the ability to watch the best players in the world play the game, which is what we have in Major League Baseball. And Pastor Jenkins was also correct to point out how vastly better it would be if more individuals involved in Major League Baseball and the industry as a whole were to bow the knee to Christ and were to function with his glory as their foremost goal. And that's why I'm considering starting a social media campaign, Pastor Jenkins for Major League Baseball Commissioner. Now, the fact that I have really no social media presence is definitely an issue I would have to overcome, but we could work around that. There's really only one thing that's keeping me from starting this campaign. Pastor Jenkins actually thinks that Albert Pujols has been a better career hitter than Miguel Cabrera. But that's a conversation for another day. Join us next time for In the Bullpen on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Thank you for joining us.